0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Who's in the Kitchen. You're listening to WDRT 91.9 FM, community radio from Farroqua, Wisconsin, and you can listen streaming live on the internet at wdrt.org, where you can go uh, live or you can look at archives. We've got quite an extensive uh, list of shows that have been previously aired, and if you Want to tell your friends or listen to a show where there was a lot of information? You know, you can go on anytime to our archives and tune in to Who's in the Kitchen. And uh, I can't believe that I keep finding guests. (laughs) This wonderful guest actually called me, which I love. So any cooks out there, if you want to be noticed, just just get a hold of me and say you want to be on the show. But um, I'm going to be talking with Joseph Meyer from uh, Seneca?
1: We live between Seneca and Eastman.
0: Okay. And uh, welcome, Joseph. Thank you. And Joseph did contact me, and uh, he is a chef, and he's a teacher, so a teacher of cooking. So I think it's just really going to be fun to get to know him, and I'm sure this isn't going to be the only time he will be on Who's in the Kitchen um so Joseph I'm interested in how you got to this area because you didn't grow up here did you I did not I am
1: a I'm a, a out of Iowa and became a Chicago product um I had retail businesses there I was in the fly fishing industry for 10 years there and it's the fly fishing that brought me to this area
0: Right mm-hmm. yes and it's Duke Welter that referred you to me. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yes, and Duke is a real fan of, of fly fishing and trout and and our waters here, and a, you know, a protector of the environment. And uh, so, thank you. I'm so sure. glad that we connected through that. That's amazing. There's people. there's
1: so much fly fishing to be had up here. Mm-hmm. Um, spectacular streams. Uh, mm-hmm. all public access, uh, mm-hmm. u- unique on the planet. Uh, and coming up here, spending Saturdays, and looking out across the street at where the Faroqua Farmers Market is and started visiting there, uh, getting to know some of the farmers uh, personally, uh, visiting farms. Um, and then I had a uh, series of cooking classes out at the Mayfly mm-hmm. Lodge in Newton, uh, and for your listeners, Newton is a little community where there is no community. There's, there's a, <laughs> a, a, a sign that announces you're in Newton, but there is no Newton. It washed away in the flood in the in the
0: 50s. Oh, near Genoa. Uh,
1: actually, it's just outside of Iroqua on the way to Romance. It's on the banks of the Badax River. Right. South Fork of the
0: Badax. Right. Yeah.
1: But I, I enjoyed bringing students here from uh, Chicago, from Minneapolis, from St. Louis, uh, to learn the area, to do both my cooking classes and I had on-the-water trout schools, and I, I taught fly fishing up here for 25 years.
0: Oh, my goodness. So we,
1: we, my, my beautiful partner Patty and I retired out of Chicago a year ago, um, moved up here, bought the lighthouse out in Seneca, and um, started up my cooking classes again. We have a big kitchen and it's homey and quite fun.
0: This is wonderful. sounds like you're an asset to the community. Oh, I hope so. I, I hope, hope so. so. And you're introducing a lot more people to this area.
1: We are. Um, we are. Yeah. And after a 45-year history of retail in Chicago, um, working 60, 80 hours a week, uh, moving up here and retiring, my hands were, were itchy too to do something, it was very difficult for me to get up in the morning and not have anything to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a, I have a part-time job at the Verroqua Food Co-op. I'm I'm a grunt in the produce kitchen. I take parsley out of a box and put it on a shelf. And it's through the back door of the co-op that I've gotten to know the Amish farmers that that do the the bag salads that come in, um, and the. There are 60-some local producers that the produce manager at the co-op deals directly with, and it's 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 fascinating to see what, what comes in.
0: Oh, that's fabulous. It's wonderful to know this from a lot of people shop there and don't really know what goes on behind those doors.
1: <laughs> um, organic is important to me. It always has been. Um, shopping local, cooking local, um, always has been. Um, the fair trade nature of some of the products that are offered at the co-op. Um, I retired out of a, a fair trade retail concern and the difference between uh, conventional retail and fair trade. Um, in the fair trade world, we care about not only the the people um, as well as the as well as the products. So we want to be good to the earth, we want to be good to people. We want to know that, the workers there's no forced labor there's no child labor that everyone is fairly paid so and that's that's up here it's 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 perfectly up here
0: oh that's great um... i have several questions what's the lighthouse
1: we bought a home that was built to resemble a lighthouse Um, and patty is polish uh, in her heritage, and we have called our home Latarnia, which is the Polish word for lighthouse.
0: Oh,
1: there, there are a bunch of pictures on our website of the of the lighthouse.
0: Oh, that's where, where we live. Oh, that's mm-hmm. fascinating. Okay, so you are um, offering classes. You have a schedule now. We
1: do. Again, mm-hmm. th- those are on our website, which is LatarniaGuesthouse.com.
0: How do you
1: spell Latarnia? L-A-T-A-R-N-I-A. Latarnia Guesthouse. We've had a couple already. We did um, three soups that you can do in about an hour. Um, We did a chocolate class designed for people to create their own hostess gifts for the holidays. Um, The classes that we do... Feature for the most part, uh, certainly not the chocolate class, but for the most part, um, locally sourced, easily obtainable, fun ingredients that you can replicate in your own kitchen. It's not, this is not a... Uh, That's
0: not our, bon appétit you can't even co- get the ingredients. <laughs> right, it's
1: not a cordon bleu cooking school where you're going to be judged on the dice of your onions. Um, the, The things that we try and instill are like the upcoming class i have on on risotto the the fewer the ingredients that are in a dish the more important each ingredient is Mm -hmm. and the quality and caliber of that ingredient becomes more and more important if you are having a long simmering stew or a soup where you've got multiple multiple ingredients you can hide one or two ingredients um in my pasta class when i'm doing cacio e pepe it's pasta pepper and cheese and that's it, and those need to be of superior quality because they will show when they're weak. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, it's, yeah. it's 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 an it's an important concept, but it's also a pretty straightforward concept.
0: Right, I it's taken me a long time to realize how important the ingredients are. Um, I've lived in France and Switzerland and Italy, and they. Spent so much time, you know, sourcing really good ingredients, really fresh ingredients, shopping every day. Shopping in those, day.
1: <laughs> not, not having the big refrigerators that Americans have. They're, they're required to shop every day. Mm-hmm. And in the locales that you mentioned in, in your travels, um, one of the unique things to all of those areas is the butter that they would use. Um, Irish butter has a different moisture content than American butter. So I'm learning to deal with some of the butters that are here. Um, the rolled butter from Westby Creamery is absolutely amazing to deal with and I love working with it but it does have a much stronger salt content than any commercially produced salted butter. Um, So I can't bake with it but when I'm incorporating it into a risotto or I'm sauteing vegetables I need to be careful of the amount of salt that I add and one of the things Mm -hmm. that um, that I love to do in my kitchen because I cook for myself, I can control the salt. I can control the sugar. I can control different things that I typically can't do in a restaurant. And that's one of the reasons why restaurant food tastes so darn good is that it's full of salt and butter. Um, <laughs> but the, the local ingredients here are so, so delightful to work with.
0: So talk about some of these good local ingredients.
1: Um, the produces are amazing. Um, because they are organ- organically grown. When I had uh, my prior cooking class, I had a group of ladies in from Chicago and Minneapolis, and we were at the Viroqua Farmers Market, and I was standing in front of uh, an Amish family's booth, and I was explaining to these ladies that this produce is grown without any additive, added um, chemicals, fertilizers, pesticides, herbicides, nematicides. There's no... Uh, outside chemical influence on the production of this product at all, and it's raised organically. And the young Amish, Amish man leaned into my little group of ladies, and he said, "Or as we refer to it up here, farming—that's the way we do it up here." Um, so the 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 culture up here of organic food uh, has long history long history. I've been coming up here for 25 years and, and people were doing farm to table before that term was even coined. So it's it's the produce, it's also the wines, now with Branches Winery and with Vernon Vineyards, um, unique distinctive to this area. Uh, absolutely lovely wines to, to to deal with, to serve at the table and, uh, and to cook with. Um, cheeses are just an amazement. I, it's going to take me the next 20 years to learn all of the cheeses that are just in these two counties in Crawford County and Vernon County alone.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd love to do a show just on cheeses because we need to know what cheese to use in what situation.
1: And the best way to learn that um, is when you're shopping at Verocca Food Co-op. Go in and talk to the woman who runs the cheese department. Her name is Macy and and learn from her. Macy, what's new? um i I like a brie. what do you have that's local that you would recommend? I am making this particular dish and I can't find this particular cheese. What would you recommend? Macy is a vast resource um, and is 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 super helpful and, and wonderful to deal with but that that's that's one way to learn is, is to learn the farmers, learn the producers, going into the Verqua farmers mm-hmm. market and um, and talking with, with Tiffany Cade of Deep Rooted. Deep Rooted is out in Westby. Uh, learning from her um, what's new, what's fresh, what's coming in next week. Hi, I'm glad you're here. This week we're going to have this next week. Uh, Jillian and Adam from Small Family Farm are the, are the same way. Um, the uh, farmer of Farmers of the Year, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, named um, Eleanor Wolfe and her partner Sawyer, uh, Farmers of the Year. And talking with Elena in her booth and learning um, how her chart has grown and what experiments that she's doing with celery. Nobody grows celery up here. You never see celery up no,
0: here. No, it's You'd, a hard crop to You grow.
1: talk to Elena. Elena is a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, she hasn't got it perfect, but she's got it right, and and she's working on a few things. So getting to know your local farmer is super helpful. Um, coming to the market, both the Viroqua... Farmers' market and the and the co-op, you can walk in with a grocery list, but walk in with an open mind. Um, I need to make dinner tomorrow night, Um, and I can have a set list, a grocery list of things that I need to buy, but that list will go out the window when I see, oh my goodness, Linda, who's the produce manager at the co-op. Linda has put in this particular product. I came to get Valencia oranges and now there's Caracara oranges and you can ask anybody in the produce department what's this Cara orange and don't be surprised if they pull out a, a knife from their sheath and cut it open and show you the difference between a Caracara and a Valencia. Um, if you have, you know I bought these Valencia's last week and they just uh, I, I expected them to taste better and I learned that uh, Valencia oranges from the refrigerator are going to have a more muted taste than Valencia's that sit out on the counter for an hour. So it's working with the producers, it's working with the retailers, and and gleaning from them. So again, I can go into the, to the co-op with a grocery list, um, but I take a look at what's on the shelf and I can adapt my list rather quickly and change my menu. Um, some of the curriculum for my Cooking classes are a bit kamikaze by nature. Uh, I'm like, oh, I was going to do this, but look at that. Oh, there are artichokes here, so I can do a different kind of
0: risotto. Mm -hmm. I was just going to make a porchetta roast, a rolled roast, you know, Italian style. And I went in and asked for fennel. There's no fennel this time of year. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what happens. And if you are going to buy, well, I don't know, if you wanted to buy local fennel, it definitely wouldn't be grown here. But I guess it's super expensive. Can be uh, right now because I don't know where they're growing fennel, but so I had to kind of change my recipe a little bit. But the idea of buying locally throws you immediately into buying seasonally. Absolutely. And these CSAs, community supported agriculture, which I don't know most of our listeners probably know about this, it's like a subscription, and it's a guarantee to a farmer that you're going to buy what they produce out of their garden. And Indeed. you share the joys and woes of that farmer because they may have a failure of spinach sure. or a failure of peas. And they may have you know, tons of something you've never made before, <laughs> you've never used, but they'll usually have recipes for sure. you. And so you can use, you learn to use vegetables and fruits that you never even knew about and um, incorporate them. But local and seasonal are just they're tied together
1: and and so much fun we we participated in a csa with cedar moon farms and uh bridget was wonderful in letting us know this is what's coming next week so that you can start your menu planning oh and then occasionally there would be the panic email hey remember when i said we were going to have radishes well frost hurt that so we're going to have something different and and we were we were gifted with kohlrabi in our boxes. Well, now we've got to sit back and think kohlrabi. Okay, well let's mm-hmm. let's go ask Doctor Google, and see what we can do with kohlrabi. And I had no idea that they could be made into fritters. So okay, yay, that's <laughs> that's now in our in our meal in our meal cycle or our kohlrabi fritters. Oh,
0: great. Well, I hope you're going to share some of your recipes.
1: Um, I will, and. For your listeners, if they go to latarniaguesthouse.com, which is our website, uh, across the top in the banner, you'll see about us and lodging and cooking classes. If they click on cooking classes, you'll see the six classes that we have up now. But for your WDRT listeners, if they scroll all the way down through the six classes, there's a free recipe that I put up this morning on making um, pasta chips again this is a two ingredient appetizer that's just kind of mesmerizing it's pretty cool
0: i can't imagine what that yeah, is it's pretty, <laughs> if, you,
1: if you take uh, rigatoni or penne uh, and break the cardinal rule of not overcooking it and cooking it al dente this is the one recipe where you need to overcook the penne and if it if your package says 12 minutes 14 16 is not too much it, throw a little olive oil on it, chill it until you're ready. And then in a little pot of uh, vegetable oil or canola oil, some kind of neutral oil, um, dry off the penne and you deep fry it until it gets crispy golden and you pull it out of the deep fryer and sprinkle grated Romano or Parmesan cheese across the top. It's it's unique and it's it's addictive. It's it's pretty cool. Oh my uh, Very very straightforward recipe. Again, it's on our website. So,
0: are these in pieces or patties or just just little chunks of stuck are, together penny or what?
1: They are the little <laughs> individual little penny, and you can pick them up like potato chips and crunch on them. Oh my god! But they are Did they you are just fr-
0: discover that by accident? <laughs> I did.
1: Um, it it's going down a, a rabbit hole of seeing this person on YouTube and reading this person, and they recommended this book, and then when I read in that book, and then they talked about another book, so mm-hmm. it, it pieced it all together. But the classes that I have coming up, um, uh, a pair of perfect risottos. Uh, risotto is not an alchemy where you you have to conjure up and stand and stir, and people shy away from making their own risotto because of the, the thought of the ingredients. Um, which are far more simple than one would imagine, and I have to stand and stir this. I can't walk away from it. I have that to
0: was st- the traditional way, wasn't
1: it? One needs to stand and stir, and the reason for that is um, the risotto creates its own cream. Um, for your listeners, if you take a look, I'm doing air quotes, makes its own cream sauce. As you are stirring it, you are knocking the starch off of the Arborio or Carnaroli rice. And it's the starch that incorporates with the stock that you're cooking it in that makes that creamy sauce. If you don't stir it, you will not get that creamy sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, for for about 22 minutes, you are tied to your stove stirring. But uh, in a in a communal dinner setting, it, people take turns. Kids can stir. It's a great way to incorporate your kids into cooking.
0: Oh sure. So right. we'll
1: be we'll be doing the traditional one. Um, where we're introducing saffron, certainly not a local ingredient, I get that, Um, but once you've learned to make risotto a la milanese the way they did in Milan, where it's flavored with fennel and a little bit of uh, (sighs) saffron, thank you. Um, Once you get that, it's just as easy to do a chicken risotto with leftover picked apart rotisserie chicken there. People think that you've slaved hours to make this lovely chicken risotto. Um, If you have uh, from your CSA box if you've got Hubbard squash or butternut squash and you're able to cut it into cubes and roast it simply with olive oil and salt you can throw that in the freezer and then when you're strapped for dinner one night you can pull that out of the freezer and stir the roasted cubed butternut squash into your chicken stock and arborio rice and come up with the most lovely butternut squash risotto.
0: Wow. It's it's
1: super simple, straightforward, mm-hmm. um, pretty elegant. It's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a class on... It's called No More Boring Breakfast. And I teach you how to make a Dutch baby, which visually is just the coolest thing when it comes out of the oven. It's all puffed up like a big pancake. Um, and then we'll do... <coughs> We'll do breakfast sliders with uh, the homemade Italian sausage that we do, um, little microgreens that uh, Patty and I are blessed that we can step out to the greenhouse that's two steps off of our kitchen. Or we can get the microgreens that uh, Tiffany Cade at Deep Rooted grows for the Faroca Food Co-op, um, and incorporate those into sliders. So it, it, um, it's a nice break from oatmeal and pancakes. Um, I also have another class, uh, Eggs for Dinner. Um, shakshuka which is not only a fun word to say but it's an equally fun dish that comes from from Africa um, where eggs are poached in a very highly seasoned tomato sauce and it's it's pretty good. Um, The British have gone off in a different uh, direction and theirs is Eggs in Purgatory which is kind of a very simple canned tomato sauce that has red pepper flakes and that's pretty much it. Um, But when you can get some warm Moroccan spices in there, cumin and cinnamon. That's that's pretty good. Um, And then a a real simple frittata. Uh, The frittata can be frittata is a crustless quiche. Let's call it that. Um, And it's it's a blank palette that you can incorporate leftovers into. You can take the remnants of your CSA box. You can sauté things up and put it all into a frittata. And there's straightforward way to cook it. Um, the technique is to take it out from under the broiler and ignore it let it sit on your counter for two or three minutes and it shrinks it pulls away from the sides of the pan
0: what kind of pan are you doing in it?
1: you can do it in a cast iron anything that's, that's oven proof so a cast iron skillet um, a teflon pan that doesn't have a plastic handle or you can keep the plastic handle away from the from the broiler mm-hmm. but when you take it out from the broiler you think I'll never get the side of the pan these eggs are stuck like crazy you ignore it for two minutes, mm-hmm. then you're able to, it, it shrinks and it pulls away from the side of the pan and it literally will slide out. Wow. And it's reheatable, so that's kind of neat. And then I have another class, um, three entree salads, uh, salad nicoise, classic salad. Once you learn that, then you can start to change the things that you put in there. Traditionally, it's made with canned tuna. Could that become sardines? Sure. Could that become grilled shrimp? Absolutely. Could that become something else that you have caught? Could that have smoke trout on it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, a take on a Caesar salad would be a grilled Caesar salad where you're splitting the uh, hearts of romaine lengthwise and grilling those face down, and then some kind of avocado-based Caesar dressing. So it's, it's just a perfect summertime showstopper. Oh, my goodness. And then, I'm,
0: I'm longing. <laughs> I'm longing to for, for do your, I have to take the classes to get for, some more recipes for out your, of for your,
1: For your listeners, <laughs> Philothea is sitting here dabbing her at her mouth with her napkin.
0: She's like, this sounds pretty good. <laughs> I just want to take a break and say I'm talking with Joseph Meyer from uh, near Seneca. And uh, he um, he and his partner have purchased the Latarnia. Latarnia. How do you say it?
1: Latarnia. Latarnia.
0: Let, oh, I put an I in here that doesn't belong. Latarnia Guest House, which is a lighthouse. It is. And is it on the river?
1: We are 650 feet above the
0: river. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, and he is te- he's teaching classes in the area. He's only been here about a year, and he's he probably knows more about the co-op and the farmer's market than a lot of people do, um, and just really appreciating the area that that we all live in and um, you're listening to WDRT 91.9 FM and streaming live on the internet at wdrt.org. We're coming from Viroqua, Wisconsin and you're listening to Who's in the Kitchen. I'm, I'm Philothea Beeson and very much enjoying talking with Joseph and um, so we're going to go on. <laughs> um, I've never grilled lettuce. So tell me what's the thrill of grilling lettuce? What happens? Um,
1: it's a unique take. It imparts just a whisper of a smoky taste mm-hmm. and, and grill marks. You're not grilling it as long as you would uh, a piece of protein.
0: But you grill it over a wood fire.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you o- don't get over a smoky charcoal.
0: taste if you grill it over a gas nope,
1: No, no, right? not in your kitchen. We, we okay. literally would go outside on the Weber grill <clears throat> yeah. and, and grill this. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: The way romaine lettuce... Is hydroponically grown, um, having to pull apart all the leaves and wash off all the sand. That that part has gone away. You don't you don't have to worry about that. If you were buying from something that's locally produced, um, you have to watch the weather a week or so ahead of time. If it's been rainy, that's not a dish that I'm going to make because I don't want to stand there and have to clean all that mess, clean oh, out all the sand. Oh, so
0: a lot of a lot of romaine is grown hydroponically. Indeed, you bought it in the store.
1: Indeed, I mean, commercially. Yep. Uh-huh so it's oh, it's it's much cleaner and less sandier mm-hmm. the romaine that's grown locally is far tastier though it's it's not just cellulose and and water it does have way more flavor to it so there's 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 a balance there's there's a trade-off
0: mm-hmm. well, let's just talk about hydroponics a little bit um you do, I think you add minerals and so forth and, you know, nutrition to the water. Correct. Correct. S- but it's just, I just have a feeling it can't be the same as from soil. It is
1: it? certainly not the same. No. It is not the same. However, in the middle of February, you, <laughs> you, you do have an opportunity. Another advantage to growing hydroponically, and they do a lot um, in, the, in the suburb of Bellwood, Chicago, um, because they can do it inside and they can grow vertically and in one eight inch PVC pipe, they can have a hundred plants and it stands vertically. so it's not taking up a lot of linear garden. Um, it, is not, it is not a garden produced product. It is not hundred percent organic that comes out of the ground and tastes like the earth. but in, in the middle of February, yeah, you can you can have that.
0: Has nutritional value.
1: It does. It does. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing. is like organic that comes from the ground. Mm-hmm. That. That. And, and. mercifully, nobody has. Has found a way to. to make that better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That. That is what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. But the, Do the, you have a garden?
1: You know. I have a small greenhouse. Uh, the entire growing area is about eight square feet. Um, we do a few microgreens and a few radishes, but I work at the co-op. Um, <laughs> we have bought into uh, a community s- a supported agriculture mm-hmm. share. Um, we're looking at another one next year. Uh, and we have no we have no level ground out of the <laughs> lighthouse. we have We have three acres of hillside.
0: Um,
1: right. Once you step out our back door, it goes right down to the river. So I have, I have no place to to actually grow anything. Um, and frankly, uh, the people around here in these two counties grow it better than I could. That's 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 for sure.
0: Well, as we get older, it seems like it's easier to buy things that other people are willing to put the effort into. Sure. My garden has really shrunk. How about you, Jim? Is your garden littler? Oh, <laughs> that's your joy. That's your joy of living in Virugua is having a wonderful produce garden.
1: There, there are so many people here who have skills that I don't: um, canning, preserving, pickling. Uh, I'm learning. There's an entire world of pickling out there. Oh my
0: fermenting! Oh my, oh my goodness! Oh.
1: that's <clears throat> that's not in my skill set yet, um, and I'd be willing to barter cooking classes for uh, f- fermenting classes. That's that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so. For those people who do canning and and, and pickling and fermenting, they need a larger supply of one particular product. They need more tomatoes. They need more green beans than I'm able to produce out of a garden. Um, So they will grow not an acre of green beans, but if they're doing a lot of pickling, they'll grow far more than they can consume Mm -hmm. at at their dinner
0: table. Right. Well, one I used to grow just pretty much... All the things that I like to have around, mm-hmm. and then I'd freeze. And um, this year, I just went to the farmer's market. When green beans were at their height, I could just take as many handfuls as I want and fill as big a bag as I want and went home and froze those sure. green beans instead of my own.
1: And that's, that's one way to do it. Uh, there's, a, there's a term that I learned when I moved here. Um, the verb is to put up.
0: <laughs> so I'm,
1: I'm going, we're going to put up some beets. I'm like, put up, put up. Oh, you must mean that you're going to process them and can them. Um, it, one tip to your listeners, if you are, for example, going to be putting up some green beans, when you are at the farmer's market, you might talk to them and say, I'm putting up some green beans in the next week or so. When, when is the best time for me to do this? And you'll get an answer, they'll be better next week. You should come right after it rains because there'll be bigger, fluffier. Get get advice from your farmers. Work mm-hmm. with them if you are <coughs> if you are canning tomatoes, uh, and you're you're mm-hmm. coming to the farmers market to source that. At the end of the day, <coughs> is a much better time to source tomatoes because no farmer wants to put tomatoes back on their truck and take it back. So, there's. Um, there's more of a price reduction at the end of the day than at 8 o'clock in the morning when they've got the rest of the day to try and sell their tomatoes. Um, but, but stepping up and, and introducing yourself to the farmer and telling them what you're doing with their produce, you'll get all kinds of help and advice.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are many, many people in this country that have never thought of talking to a farmer or don't even know how you would get sure. to. Sure, <laughs> sure. But isn't that wonderful? I mean, we just take it for granted.
1: We do, Um, and my partner, Patty, who is very much a city girl. She comes from Evanston, Illinois, and for 60 years she lived in Evanston, and she moved up here (coughs) and had never driven on a gravel road until she moved here, had never used her high beams. Um, In the city of Evanston, she said, "I, I could drive for six months and not drive over 25 miles an hour, and there's enough ambient light, I really didn't need my headlights. But when she moved up here, with,
0: it's dark. With,
1: yeah, <laughs> she moved up here with me. Um, she was surprised we were going down Gardner Road, and there's a sign that says sorghum. A little black and white sign. We're used to them. We're seeing signs that say eggs, rabbits, honey. Well, the sign says sorghum. I'm like, oh dear, let's pull over here, and we go up and and introduce ourselves and purchased a an old mayonnaise jar full of sorghum that they had produced um, and they were kind of apologetic when they asked for $8 for this quart of sorghum syrup. I, oh, and then, I've
0: seen this produced. And then
1: very quickly dropped it to $7. I'm like, you know what, 8 is fine. Um, but her learning um, to drive up a lane and see who's up there. If they've got a sign out they, they, they are selling something and they're willing to, no Sunday mm-hmm. sales but they're willing to Chat with you and and show you what they have, and then tell you what they've got coming. So there's there's an Amish family that we deal with, and they're very very sweet. Um, And I was I come from Iowa and near the area of Muscatine, Iowa, where musk melons come from. And there's all kinds of cantaloupe and honeydew and lovely melons up here, but I hadn't seen any musk melons. And I asked this uh, Amish woman. And she said, Well, she said, I've I've got six plants, and you come back in three weeks, and I'll have two for you. She said, We eat the rest, I'll have two. Oh my goodness, it was just like cutting open liquid sunshine, and the the entire car on the way home smelled like musk melons. It was absolutely fabulous. Had I not introduced myself, had Patty not talked about are those are those
0: melons growing over there?
1: We would not have found these these absolutely glorious. Musk
0: I never even thought of that. I mean, I'm sort of like guessing whether a melon is ripe or not, mm-hmm. even in my own garden. But how mm-hmm. wonderful to buy them from people that really know sure. when they're going to be sure. just at their prime. That's so important. Yeah. You can get things in the shape of beans at grocery stores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've done that, brought them home, and they yeah. were so dry. They were, they were green beans. They looked like beans. But they never really, I never really could get them tender because they didn't have enough moisture. I don't know sure. what happened. Maybe they were just picked at the wrong time, or maybe they'd sat somewhere and they were, sort of desiccated. They may, have, they may have
1: been picked at the right time, but they were picked three weeks ago.
0: Yeah, far and far away, far, far sitting away. in storage. Yeah. Um,
1: Sometimes February strawberries indeed taste like straw <laughs> rather <laughs> than the berry.
0: Well, and it is interesting. Uh, to find strawberries, giant, huge strawberries that are white inside, and they, any time of the year, you go. They don't grow all year long, do they? I mean, where are these strawberries coming from? They're certainly not coming from Wisconsin. <laughs> so, and they've then they've been they've been treated, sprayed, you know, put put in certain climates to be able to hold their shelf life for a long time and still look good. And that, you know, when you taste a really fresh strawberry that has just been picked, you go, oh my gosh, Indeed. I think I forgot what strawberries are supposed to taste like.
1: And sadly, uh, in, in 2022, the local strawberry crop was, was pretty close to being a failure. Those uh, strawberries that were available were very, very small. They were super delicious, but... Um, nobody had, it was impossible to find a flat of strawberries.
0: Oh, that's what happened because yep. my strawberries didn't amount to anything and I thought it was me.
1: Nope. Nope. No, nope. your name just went on the bottom of a very long list of farmers who struggled with <laughs> their strawberries in 2022.
0: Oh, and my year before, I went out to get my strawberries and they were all neatly mowed down. I said to my son, Did you weed eat? The strawberries? No, it was deer. Just share. They just grazed. Sharing with the animals. Yeah, they grazed the whole crop. So I haven't had strawberries for a few years. But, um, yeah, really, when you think about people kind of dickering at the farmer's market with people who have, you know, tilled the soil, this mulched, is, this is their heart, you know, so. uh, weeded, uh, harvested, packaged Making everything look perfect at the farmers market and taking some of it back home that didn't sell. And you're dickering about yep. whether I I really <laughs> wanna urge people to just honor the work that Absolutely. has gone into growing produce.
1: The the vendors at the farmers market um, are deeply invested in this community and, and their local community. Um, I was I was fascinated to read a post by Tiffany Cade of Deep Rooted that she put on her Facebook page yesterday saying, we're in the process of ordering seeds and rather than us guessing what you might like, what would you like? And she asked her general public, what would you like to see us grow? Now she's not going to grow bananas, but I was in there typing away saying, "I'm, I'm looking for some edible pansies. I'm looking for lovage. I'm looking for globe basil and maybe some Thai basil. And she's like, Lovage. i can grow lovage nobody grows lovage so she's mm. invested in her community enough that what would you like me to grow and i will
0: try and grow it yes they have a wonderful greenhouse system so they are really way ahead with yep. it, you know in the spring with their yep. plants and so yeah that's it's it's making me really look forward to spring and some and some mm. sunshine oh I th- yeah
1: i think oh, yeah. right after labor day she has her tasty tomato festival where it's, it's just outside and sunshine and fresh tomatoes and the music that they have there is... is oh,
0: it's a real community it event, is isn't um, it?
1: A very pleasant surprise to Patty and I moving up here is how much uh, music and how many performing venues there are in cute little places that the the veranda of the Old Oak in, in, uh, in Soldier's Grove. No, we're going to be playing out on the veranda and you just bring a chair and sit in the... And sit on the lawn. So there's, there's, and seeing some of the cool music at the farmer's market. That's always a nice little treat.
0: Oh, really? Yes. Um, if, if you're curious, I'm talking with Joseph Meyer, and he is a chef. He has been dealing with food for many, most of his Ooh. life. He's really interested in fly fishing and really was drawn to the area because of the wonderful trout. I guess. It's mm-hmm. trout mainly that Absolutely. you're looking for, right? Yep. And um, I don't know if people realize how precious it is that we have clean water. We have water that's so clean that the trout don't even need to be, um, what do you call it? Stocked. Stocked. They, mm-hmm. they breed naturally here. Natu- natural and reproduction. That it, That is such a blessing here. And there's just so much in this driftless area. Um, and people might not. You know, realize what was is so special about Driftless. But I certainly can recommend decoding the Driftless if you can get that DVD.
1: Absolutely, um, wonderful. It
0: will really make you realize why you came here and why you stayed, why you love this place. It's very magical. The soil and the water and everything that's in this unglaciated area has made it just very unique in the country.
1: Well said. The, the more you learn about the geology and the topography here, the more protective you are of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you think about, what chemicals am I putting on my lawn, even though I'm that high above the river, it's going to percolate down through the karst topography, hit bedrock, and then come up in a spring. Do I really want to be doing that? So... <laughs>
0: Right, and for everybody else that's living there, you know, so it's kind, it's, you can't just say, it's my land, I'll do what I want with it, because actually, we all share it with the underground water.
1: Um, You've, you've had Duke Walter as a guest, Um, one of his favorite expressions is, we all live downstream, (laughs) from somebody, we all live (laughs) downstream.
0: Right, right, that's really true. So, you're listening to WDRT, and I'm Philothea Beeson, and this is Who's in the Kitchen, and I'm enjoying talking with Joseph. He lives down by Seneca and he does have on his website a list of the courses that he's going to be offering um, and so they they're they're made with seasonal local ingredients right I mean and very simple indeed So I I get the idea that you are kind of like Duke I mean really wanting to make something delicious absolutely you're not making it precious and unreachable for regular old people
1: everything we do is approachable in your own kitchen Um, that's wonderful the the dessert class that i'm doing um we're doing a baked alaska which is the most straightforward three ingredient dessert and we're going to show you how you can do it seasonally that um There's an eggnog ice cream center for the holidays and in the springtime it might be a strawberry ice cream in the summertime it might be a peach ice cream but peach ice cream baked alaska for the fourth of july oh my goodness so much fun (laughs) so so the things that we do are pretty straightforward and they are approachable and um we teach on a inverted pyramid format where you learn one skill and from that skill okay i've learned I've learned to make mayonnaise in a food processor. And then I've learned to make pesto in a food processor. So from there, I can make pesto mayonnaise to put on my bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches. I can take my pesto mayonnaise, thin it with red wine vinegar, and suddenly I have a salad dressing for a bacon, lettuce, and tomato salad with all of the leftover bacon. Although in my house, that's a rarity. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you learn one skill, and that builds on to several other skills that that you easily piece together. Right. And again, we're not standing over you asking that you, you brunoise this 10 pounds of shallots. If, if you can get them into recognizable pieces that are all relatively the same size so they cook at relatively the same level, you're good.
0: You're good. <laughs> well, um, I'm interested in how you got... How did you get interested in cooking? Have you always cooked, or this grow out of other interests or jobs? Or
1: we we grew up on a small acreage outside of Des Moines, and my dad was a tough old German who wanted his sons to understand that food didn't come from the grocery store, um, and he had he had a four acre uh, plot of land that was orchards and garden um, and beehives um, and we made our own corned beef. We made our own sauerkraut and learned that sauerkraut is fermented. It's not pickled cabbage. And we we learned that way. Um, this is at a time uh, in the very early '60s. Uh, Julia Child was starting, and we would sit black and white TV and watch Julia Child. The first the first meal that I ever composed and pieced together on my own, I replicated Julia Child's um, stuffed rock Cornish game hands. And this was in the 60s, in the middle of Iowa, when that stuff was kind of kind of interesting to do. Um, but, but learning where food comes from, um, that, that came at a, at a tender age. Uh, I lost some of that living in Chicago. That, that's going to happen. Um, food comes from Whole Foods, um, you, you went to hi V because that's where your produce came from. Well there was there were three or four steps before it got to hi V that are critically important. Um, and coming up here and just embracing the concept of uh, and again, I, I'm using the term farm to table because that was the big buzzword in the, in the 70s and 80s. Um, that's what this area is all about. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned from my mother um, and her sister. Which, which was amazing and wonderful and we were uh, we were kind of looked at sideways in the middle of Iowa in the in the 60s and 70s and putting dry vermouth in our scrambled eggs but <laughs> <laughs> I do that to this day
0: Wow. so are there other cooks are there cookies Books, are there sources that you found were just invaluable and really pushed you along in the right direction? I,
1: I have morphed from the printed page um, where I read everything that Giada De Laurentiis wrote. I read everything that Ina Garten wrote um, because they're both very good communicators. Ina Garten is not the best educator, but she's a terrific communicator, so i've morphed from that i still have some of their their books and i refer back to them um the internet and youtube uh is is fascinating and it's it's nine thirty p m it's time for me to go to bed and suddenly it's it's one am and i'm <laughs> i've got four more youtube videos to, on how to make cachawe pepe um there's a there's a fascinating young man who did food trucks in new york uh and that, that's that's where his culinary ex- expertise was. And then he started his YouTube channel, cooking in his parents' kitchen. Um, it's called Not Another Cooking Show, and he demystifies a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for your listeners who want to go see Not Another Cooking Show, take take a look. He's he's pretty fascinating. And he he also has um, an inverted pyramid teaching style. Okay, we've. We've taught you this. We're going to go expanding and go to this new thing. Um, and then he pulls out some of the most unusual. Um, he does a braised short rib, which is outstanding. And it fills the kitchen with love and aromas, and it's just absolutely lovely. But then he takes the leftover short ribs um, and shreds them and makes a grilled cheese sandwich. And on one side of the bread, on the inside, he spreads blackberry jam. And I looked at Patty, and I'm like, "Are we putting blackberry jam on a short rib <laughs> grilled cheese sandwich?" And she goes, "I think you ought to try it." And holy cow, I don't know how I can live my life again
0: oh, no. without without oh, having
1: wow. blackberry j- wow. on my free short rib. So mm-hmm. that that's a long answer to to mm-hmm. who do you who do you learn from? Um, the other thing is m- musicians will sit at a concert and think, "Oh, I could play that. I could play that genre of music, and I want to learn more about that." Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back and do the research. I'm the same going into a restaurant. Um, I will order something to see what it's all about and see if I can replicate it. Um, and then there are times that I go into a restaurant and I think, I, I just have a taste for something I can't make. I don't make good french fries. I have no desire to make good french fries. Um, it messes up my entire kitchen. But there are times that I, I, re- I really, really want french fries. But learning, learning to see what other people do in, in their restaurants, mm-hmm. quite, quite fun.
0: Mm-hmm. That's quite fun. Yeah, sometimes new combinations of things really take you by surprise. Like the-
1: I branch out into, into other cuisines slowly. The, uh, the produce that the Hamang community brings to the farmer's market, I want to learn. That's, that's my goal this year is, is what more can I do with this? Um, I can handle bok choy, both baby bok choy and the adult sizes, uh, which tends to be more bitter, but I really want to learn to do more. Uh, the communication's a uh, little rough at, at the market, but I'm I'm, I'm learning, and that, that's my goal this year is to see what I can do with some of this produce mm-hmm. that we typically mm-hmm. don't see here in the Midwest.
0: Yes, they add a lot to our farmer's market, mm-hmm. growing crops that we might Really, not even be familiar with, and they do so well. So, well, it sounds like with the risotto, that's a good example of your pyramid idea, where you, it is where you just learn basic risotto, and there's so many different things you can stir in. Right? Sure. did go
1: sure. the the you can get as avant garde as you might want to with risotto. Um, to do instead of chicken stock, it's it's mostly water maybe a whisper of chicken stock but if you're folding in uh, overly ripe strawberries and then at the very end you're finishing it with a splash of asti spumante then you have a strawberry dessert risotto oh
0: my gosh that's that's not where
1: i would start with risotto <laughs> no, but, but I just
0: think we love sure. rice pudding absolutely so you know why it's, not yeah it,
1: it is it is the very same uh-huh.
0: uh
1: i may be doing pasta classes where you are making your own pasta which is pretty straightforward um, far simpler than, than you would imagine and it's fun to get flour dust all over everything but the at the end of that I might show you how to take your basic pasta dough recipe back off six tablespoons of flour and substitute with six tablespoons of uh, organic dark cocoa that you would make hot chocolate out of and roll it out like regular fettuccine, cut it into regular fettuccine shapes, boil it in salted water like you would regular fettuccine, and then you would sauce it with melted French vanilla ice cream. So you have this lovely chocolate pasta with this lovely creamy sauce, and then instead of meatballs scattered across the top, could they be blackberries or raspberries? Absolutely. Instead of shaving parmesan cheese over the top of your chocolate pasta. Could that be shaved from a bar of white chocolate? You bet. You bet. Oh so gosh. Simple, simple, mm-hmm. straightforward, elegant, show-stopping. Oh my goodness, we had chocolate pasta.
0: <laughs> so when did you start teaching?
1: 15-18 um, years ago mm-hmm. at at the the Mayfly in Newton when I started teaching cooking. I was raised by an educator, so uh, learning to communicate where people can follow along and, and grow with you. Uh, my, my mother was an English educator and one of her concepts was uh, you you need to um, to teach, share what you know rather than showing what you know. And I, f- I followed in, in that, that philosophy um, everything we do at the, at the Lighthouse is hands-on. You're, you're going to be in there stirring. And, and even though I, I will say that this is, uh, some are participation classes, some are demonstration classes. Somebody's going to be up there with the knife. Somebody's going to be up there stirring. Somebody's going to be up there. S- it's the tactile feedback that um, that I get off on, watching a risotto come together and feeling it come together.
0: Oh, well, I think mentorship and cooking is so important. So much of it is now it's right now Mm -hmm. this is the texture this is how a bread dough should feel if you know it's you can't just read it out of a book and and even just watch precisely you are
1: not going to get that on Mm -hmm. on youtube um the the tactile feedback as things morph and change and uh come together uh, that really drives me but that's also what makes me a very bad baker um, I was
0: going to ask you about baking. No, I, do not have, don't?
1: I don't have the temperament or the personality to be a baker because cooking is a little more freeform. Baking is way more science. So you follow a recipe exactly. And the heartbreak for me is once I've put together something that I'm baking, I have to put it in the box in the middle of my run of kitchen counters, and I can't touch it. I have to leave it alone for 45 minutes. That gets me crazy. I, I have no tactile feedback. I have a problem with immediate gratification. So for me to put something in the oven to have it bake, oh, heck no, that's as bad as me planting tulips in October and having to wait until April. With my little <laughs> nose pressed against the glass for four months. No, I don't bake. <laughs> my, my patty bakes, and that, that's fun. She's doing, um, because she met some really cool Amish people with the sorghum. She has adapted a recipe out of Edible Madison um, when they published a recipe for sorghum bread pudding, and that's that is a different sweetness. It's a different. Um, I, I like things that are sweetened with molasses, but there's a sulfury aftertaste that doesn't sit well with me, and I don't get that with things made from sorghum.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Isn't that fascinating? I, I've never I never heard of sorghum till I moved up. Mm-hmm. Here. But I did go to a farm where they made sorghum. Sure. And it's grown like corn. It's like, it, it looks, it's in the corn family, Precisely. Right? And then they they ran these stalks through a, a ringer, a ringer like from <laughs> a washing machine. Yep. yep. Squeezed out the juice, cooked it down. Oh, they strained it through straw. Clean straw. They mm-hmm. strained it through clean straw. It was amazing. And then you say, well... This jar, this mayonnaise jar of, of sorghum was eight dollars, and you think, my sure. gosh, the work that went into. Interestingly, it
1: is being- there is a whiskey produced in Wisconsin from sorghum called Queen Jenny. Mm-hmm. Uh, big argument among the whiskey and bourbon cognizetti, is this is this actually a bourbon? Is this actually a whiskey? Because it's made from boiled down syrup. That would make it a rum. And the producers say it comes from sorghum, which is a grain, and the feds have said, oh, we, can call, we can call this whiskey. Oh,
0: God. And when,
1: when, you, when you serve it to someone unannounced, and they're, they're swilling it around across their palate thinking, oh, my goodness, what is this? But yeah, it's called Queen Jenny, and it's, it's made from Wisconsin sorghum.
0: Oh, how fascinating. Well, I'm. The, are this hour has gone by really quickly. I've been talking with Joseph Meyer. Of Latarnia Guest House and Bed and Breakfast and Cooking School <laughs> and Welcomer of People from the Cities to come out and learn about the Driftless Area. Thank you so much for being on Oh, you're a delight to kitchen. work with, him, yes. Yes, I hope to enjoy some of your classes. You Please do. Yes. So you've been listening to Who's in the Kitchen, and we come on every Saturday at noon, and I hope you'll tune in next week. Thank you.